You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 279 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. And uh, Rick, how are you doing today? Nice to have you back in the studio. Thanks very much. Glad to be back. Glad to be back for the entire show uh, this week. Um, especially because we have such a, we have such a great show. Um, there's, there's you and I, there's, um, Amy Johnson's going to come in for a bit and we have two special guests today. Um, it's just that kind of show where we're, we're talking about prospects, prospect development, past, present, future. Um, you know, the torch carries on through the, the Montreal Canadians organization. Um, but one of our, let me ask you a question. Um, Do you know what a try shorthanded goal is? No, that doesn't sound familiar at all. No, and I was unfamiliar too. It means you score a shorthanded goal when you're down three players. Um, how can that happen? Oof. Well, um, on a very unusual situation, we're going to get Patrick Williams in here to um, to help us break that down and explain that that to us, and and then uh, another special guest. Uh, in the in the second segment uh, for another rather unusual situation, talking about a former Montreal Canadiens prospect. Absolutely, uh, quite the busy week. Lots of Montreal Canadiens games, so plenty to get you up to date uh, with. In this first segment here, we'll go through the games, uh, some roster updates. We'll talk prospects, and that's where uh, we'll have Patrick Williams come in. We've got some news at the end of this segment. And then in segment two, like you said, uh, Canadians prospects, present, future, and past. And that's where we're going to have uh, you and I to start that one. Then Amy Johnson's going to take over for a little bit as we welcome Chris Ballard to the show. Uh, so very excited for that uh, as uh, he does some play-by-play for the Newfoundland Growlers of the ECHL. And then in segment three, it's the Have Your Say segment. Uh, we're going to toss it over to our listeners, our Canadians Connection Question of the week is, should Ken Hughes be pursuing a point-per-game player during the rebuild? 
we want to hear from you. And uh, Rick, uh, I know a lot of our listeners like to reach out to us, but what's the best way to do so? Well, they certainly do like to reach out, out to us. So we've set up a special text line. You can reach uh, us by text 24 hours a day. The number's easy. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. I'll say it one more time, 5853-ROCKET. If you have a little more to say, you might send us an email. You can reach us at uh, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. You can also find us on social media. Just make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, we do have a website. Uh, you can check that out, canadiansconnection.fm. Make sure throughout the week you check out our comprehensive pregame previews and postgame recaps for every Canadians game at THN.com slash Montreal. That's the Hockey News Montreal. And here's what's happened since we were last here. Uh, four games for the Montreal Canadiens. If we want to go all the way back to last Saturday, January the 13th, they lose in overtime to the Oilers 2-1. to uh, The Habs were actually outshot 41-24. to uh, Caulfield with a power play goal in the first. Uh, that would stand and give Montreal a lead until the third period uh, where the Oilers were finally able to get on the board. It was Dreisaitl. And then in overtime, Evan Bouchard wins it for the Oilers. And they won that on the power play. Mike Matheson, uh, not a very good penalty in overtime uh, that turned that game. Sam Montembeau, a good game. 18 saves in the third period alone uh, in that uh, in a losing effort. Couple days off in between, and that brings us to January the fifteenth, as the Colorado Avalanche come to Montreal, and Montreal wins this one four to three against one of the better teams out there. I think this uh, I'm going to call this game the Jake Allen show. He was brilliant in this yeah. one, in my opinion. Uh, Montreal had a pretty strong special teams throughout the night. Uh, both their penalty kill and power play were quite successful. Um, bit of an off night and a goal uh, for the Colorado Avalanche is Alexander Georgiev. Just a couple of goals that I think he would like to have back in this one. But Montreal being very opportunistic and uh, capitalizing on their chances. Yeah, you thought uh, he should have those goals back. His head coach, Jared Bednar, thought he should have those back too. Was was quite openly critical of his of the goaltending in that game. Uh, and But... On the positive side, Jake Allen, Jake Allen, as you said, was was brilliant, uh, especially uh, on the penalty kill. Um, a great, uh, great game for Jake um, on that, and and Joel Armia, um, that lunging effort uh, for the game winner. Um, Joel Armia, Jake Allen, the 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 JAs uh, had it there. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of being quite opportunistic, uh, the next game, uh, Montreal visits the New Jersey Devils and win 3-2. to two. And I'm going to be honest here, I, I thought the Devils outplayed Montreal for the most part. I, like, it wasn't that interesting of a game. Both teams kind of struggled to get their chances. But a few mistakes uh, by the Devils in their own zone, whether by defenders or their own goaltender, Nico Dawes, led to three Montreal goals and uh, Montreal... Like I said, just ca- uh, capitalizing on the those mistakes by the Devils. Uh, the Devils just struggled to get their offense going. Their only two goals came on the same four-minute power play at the beginning of the third period. Uh, Sam Montembeau was pretty good in this one, too. Uh, a few timely saves and uh, really kept the Montreal Canadiens in that one. In this game, I think it was the assists that were more spectacular than the goals. Yeah. First, Cole Caulfield kind of backhanding it out of out of the air, uh, to uh, Yuri Slavkovsky for his goal. And then um, Sean Monaghan, just a, a gorgeous setup so that Joshua Waugh could uh, pot his first NHL goal. 
Joshua was going to own Sean Monahan like three, maybe five beers after that <laughs> assist. Uh, absolutely crazy move there by Monahan. And that was the first of a back-to-back. Uh, they go to Ottawa the next night, and, well, it was not a great result for the Canadians as they get spanked 6-2. to two. Uh, don't really have much positive to say about Montreal on this one. Kind of a rough game for Caden Primo and Nett. Uh, Ottawa outshot uh, the Montreal Canadiens 17-6 to six in the first period. Um, I think Ottawa also scored to two goals per period, basically, to get to that six. Pretty dominant in this one. I don't think Montreal was ever really in this game. Uh, I think they were benefited uh, from being uh, down maybe two to one after that first period. Uh, so Caden Primo kind of held them in there, but it all just kind of fell apart in the end. Yeah, 32 saves for Caden Primo, but the goals he gave up, uh, and he gave up five, lots of softies in there. It was not a good night for Caden Primo. Um, that said, he wasn't the only problem. That The first line was completely crushed um, by Ottawa in this game. Uh, they were combined minus seven. That's the, the Canadians' top line uh, in the game. So Montreal losing to a bad team, but also beating a pretty good team at the beginning of the week. So a little bit all over the place. Uh, their record currently 19-19-7. and That's 45 points, 24th in the NHL, and the Habs currently have a 2.9% chance of making the playoffs, uh, projecting out to be about an 80-point season. So make sure you check out Habs Notepad, Habs Headlines, feature articles, and game day posts appearing regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. Taking a look at our roster news, uh, Joshua Waugh made his debut against the Edmonton Oilers last Saturday. He's gotten into four games. He scored his first career goal against the Devils like we just talked about. Yeah, against the Devils, um, I thought he looked, I, I thought he, that was his his best game. Um, he he had the goal. He had five shots on, on net. He was engaged. Um, he was still a, a little lost in his own zone, and, and that's been kind of consistent through the four games um, there's, he, he's really not ready, um, to accept the defensive responsibilities of the NHL game. And the other three games, um, he was, he was, I, I, I thought he was pretty invisible and, and that was, uh, getting some decent ice time at 12 and a half minutes. Um, I think you and I were talking before the show and it, it's just nothing against Joshua Wah, just not ready. Um, and uh, probably um, needs a, a little more seasoning, uh, and, and it would be nice for him to head back to Laval and contribute um, as Laval is starting to heat up and may go on a bit of a, a run uh, to secure a playoff position. Absolutely. And uh, Josh Anderson is expected to make his return to the lineup against the Bruins. Uh, he was day-to-day for the past few games, so it's going to be nice to get him back. Maybe that's the opportunity to send Joshua Waugh back down to Laval with this uh, player coming back from injury. Yeah, he'll be in the lineup against the Bruins. He's been out since the 11th of January. Uh, that was against the San Jose Sharks uh, for to, for uh, the Bruins game. It's... Um, Yes, a Ulanin that will be coming out, and I I, I advertise the the um, Rocket Sports text line five eight five three Rocket. Yeah. It, it, it can be do, used during the show too. <laughs> it can. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I said uh, Joel Armia. It's Yol Armia, of course. Yol okay. Armia and Yesa Ulanin uh, for all our Finnish uh, friends in Thunder Bay. Yeah, uh, fair enough. We try to get the correct pronunciations <laughs> on things, right? Yeah. Every now and then Mistake. something slips out. Yeah. 
And uh, with that, I think it's a good time to get to this week's winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. So, Rick, I'm going to let you get started off with your loser, and I'm pretty excited to hear what you have to say about this. Well, uh, the, I, I'm, it's hard to even get into this because I'm going to get upset. And, and I, th- I honestly, truly, sincerely thought this was a joke when I saw the picture of the uh, when the NHL unveiled their all-star jerseys. I thought I thought somebody was just messing around. I truly did. No, these are the actual jerseys. They look like something out of the kids section at Walmart or Target. Um, the The logo looks silly. The the striping down the the arms and the stars and the style. I, it's they're silly. Um, apparently, I'm told uh, they're from the Justin Bieber collection. His oh his uh, yeah his streetwear collection. Um, this isn't a matter of opinion. Um, if you say you like these, I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Just wrong. Um, they're they're a, a singular color, uh, four jerseys, uh, white, yellow, sort of burnt red, and and a blue. Um, like I said, the NHL logo is 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 dumb. Um, these are all horrible, atrocious. Uh, NHL All-Star jerseys, they are the losers of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, looking at it in the NHL shop, I think the nameplates on the back are all going to be in lowercase, which just makes it worse. (laughs) I I don't know, like, do we need Justin Bieber to design NHL jerseys? Does Bieber really need to design clothes? I mean, (laughs) after seeing this, I don't think I'm ever going to have interest. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, that's that's a great loser, and I think just, just a huge miss there. Sometimes... You get some good jerseys out of it, but I feel like the past like decade, it's just been worse, and this is the icing on the cake. Yeah. My loser for this week, and uh, I think this might be a little bit of a callback here. I'm going with uh, Jeff Molson. I-, I think he's been a loser uh, a couple of times previously, if not at least once. And this is in regards to uh, ticket pricing at uh, Bell Center. Once again, we're going to talk about this. Uh, back in September, uh, there was an article in uh, the Montreal Gazette that was talking about how uh, tickets to the season opener were two, starting at $225 to be at the very top. Uh, I was looking into potentially going into a game this year. It's gone a little bit better, but not much. Uh, it's looking like at least $100 minimum uh, after all the additional fees and taxes to be in the very, very top row at the Bell Center. Uh, this is a rebuilding team. You don't know uh, how the product's going to look night after night. Charging $100 minimum to be at the very, very top. Some places at the very top actually have an obstructed view as well with the those uh, media suites uh, right in front of you. So you get uh, a little bit of a cutoff above your eyes. Um I think kind of just a shame there. I don't think we should be charging over $100 to be in a top row for any event, quite frankly. Uh, Also, this kind of got me thinking, too. Uh, One of our Rocket Sports Media colleagues, uh, Mike Raschel, uh, drove nine hours in a snowstorm to Montreal last week to see a couple games. Uh, One of those games was against the Sharks, where Montreal uh, lost to the Sharks while the Sharks were on a long, long losing streak. Uh, they put that to an end there, and he saw a game against the Oilers. Again, Montreal did not to play very well in that one, and that's another loss. So he spent quite a bit of money on two games, traveled all the way to Montreal for not a very good product. 
On top of that, too, I think I've got to mention the kids here. Thinking about the families, the young families with kids out there that uh, absolutely love the Montreal Canadiens, uh, would love to go to a game, and you're telling me it's going to cost you minimum $100 per ticket just to go to a game, uh, not to mention the prices of everything at the concessions and uh, the parking, everything that goes along with that. Uh, It just seems like it's very unattainable for a lot of families at this point. And uh, we saw Montreal visit Ottawa this past week. Uh, I believe it's actually cheaper to travel to Ottawa and go to a game. For $100 in Ottawa, you can actually get a decent ticket, not be in the very last row either. You know, maybe in most cases you think about, uh, you know, $100 for a ticket, that's too, not too bad. But then when you think about, okay, I'm at the very top, uh, 400 section row D, the wall behind me, <laughs> obstructed view, That's that's insane. I think that's... Yeah, we're not giving uh, Jeff Molson enough flack for that. It's just pure greed at this point. Well, that's a good. I I'd agree with that. Yeah, hopefully I didn't miss any <laughs> takes on that one. But uh, I think uh, with that, uh, we'll try to look a little bit more uh, positive uh, yeah. with our winners of the week. So, uh, do you want to do you want to do yours? Since I went first last time. Sure, let's do it. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. I actually had these guys as a loser of the week uh, uh, not too long ago because they were just god-awful coming out of the gate. Jack Campbell going on waivers. Stuart Skinner looking awful. And, uh, well, right now they're on a 12-game win streak and back in the playoff picture. So credit uh, where credit's due. The Edmonton Oilers doing a good job putting themselves back in the picture. Uh, Skinner's look quite a bit better. Uh, new coach, uh, Knobloch, has come in and uh, really made... Edmonton look a lot better. Their systems, uh, I think, are a little bit more simple and uh, certainly paying off there. So the Edmonton Oilers uh, on a 12-game win streak, absolutely crazy and uh, good to see that uh, a Canadian team and the team with Connor McDavid is actually starting to have some success. Well, good for them. And and uh, we know that that Edmonton was um, looking at Montreal Canadiens uh, goal or, goaltending uh, earlier in the season, when their goaltending was was uh, um, rough, and and now um, we're told that um, maybe they want to add a forward. Could it be? Uh, could they be players in uh, the Sean Monahan sweepstakes? So um, that's interesting. And on the other hand, as the Oilers have risen, uh, it's been the L.A. Kings who have been in a tailspin. And uh, I don't know that that their issue has been goaltending, but um, we're told that uh, that they may be in the market for a goaltender as the um, trade deadline approaches. So we'll, we'll keep a, an eye on that. Um, my winner of the week, I saw I saw this headline, um, and it said, "Former Stanley Cup winner saves person life person's life at NHL game." That's pretty crazy. I'm intrigued, <laughs> aren't you? I'm, I'm intrigued. And then uh, to read the story, I, th- I know that guy. I know him. I, I know him pretty well, actually. Um, this is former Stanley Cup winner Tony Herkus. Uh, Tony Herkus is, um, he was, uh, um, a player for the St. Louis Blues. He was he was drafted uh, in the second round by the Blues. Played with the Blues. Uh, played with the uh, Quebec Nordique. Uh, Nordiques fans may recognize that name. Um, played for Dallas. I think that's where he won his uh, Stanley Cup um, with the Dallas Stars. Um, and um, a veteran um, of 758 NHL games since then. 
he has been um, a scout for the ta- a pro scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning since about 2015. And I see Tony every once in a while in press boxes, and he's always a great guy to talk about uh, talk to. Uh, lots of no- um, knowledge about hockey. As it happens, uh, Tony is from Thunder Bay, Ontario, my birthplace, um, and our our mothers went to high school together and remained good friends throughout their their life. So I. I saw Tony when, um, you know, at um, birthday parties and things like that growing up. And uh, it's always good to catch up with him in the press box. Well, he was in the press box again on January the 4th um, in uh, Los Angeles at the Crypto.com Arena. Um, It was the Kings versus the Detroit Red Wings. He was there scouting. um, And there was an NHL employee in the... um, in the press box, there's there's always an NHL, a number of NHL employees. They're either off-ice um, officials taking statistics. Uh, there's sometimes a supervisor of referees, of officiating in the press box. It, 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 it isn't specific in the report, but it was someone who works for the NHL um, who was uh, watching the game, doing his job, and enjoying the treats that are available oftentimes in uh, for the media. Um, and this time he was enjoying a soft pretzel. Now, this NHL employee began choking, um, and by all reports, um, turning a purplish color uh, and couldn't catch his breath. Tony Herkus um, sees what's happening. He rushes over, uh, gives this um, employee uh, uh, the Heimlich Maneuver, ejects this piece of, of uh, pretzel and the um, the employee was able to then breathe normally. People on the scene said Tony saved his life. Uh, incredible story. Uh, I'm happy to call Tony, um, uh, you know, an acquaintance, uh, somebody that I've met uh, both personally and professionally um, and certainly worthy of the winner, my winner uh, of the week. Yeah, uh, what a great story too, and uh, I guess big thanks to Tony Herkus for uh, reacting properly and uh, taking care of that situation. So amazing story, and uh, appreciate you bringing that one uh, to us this week, Rick. And uh, with that, uh, let's get to our Habs prospect report. It's time for the Rocket Report. The Rocket Sports Media team is your premier source for information about the Laval Rocket the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as Habs prospects playing in the CHL, NCAA, and leagues around the world. Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadiens prospects. Each and every week, we like to highlight a Montreal Canadiens prospect. And this week, we're going to shine the spotlight on defenseman Dmitry Kostenko, uh, the 87th pick in uh, 2021. That's the third round. He's currently playing in the VHL. I'm going to do my best uh, to pronounce this team, but Ugra Hanti Mansisk uh, is the team he's playing for. He's been on a tear recently, uh, looking at his statistics from the past five games, three goals, six assists, nine points. Uh, his last 10 games, uh, four goals, seven assists, 11 points, plus 10. So he's been playing very, very well over in the VHL. 
a little bit uh, about his play style. He's uh, certainly uh, an interesting defenseman. He'll need a little bit of refinement, but uh, lots of offensive creativity and uh, willingness to get involved in the play in all three zones. Um, He skates pretty well, and uh, I I think that this is a prospect that we're not uh, hearing a whole lot about, but it's certainly intriguing. It seems like he's got some very good offensive numbers for sure. And uh, you say the Canadians uh, have a defenseman, um, another <laughs> defensive prospect. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy who, uh, a little bit slight when he was uh, drafted. He's 6'1", 187 now. Uh, he's put on a little bit to his, his frame. Um, drafted in 2021, third round, 87th overall, as, um, as we see. And, and um, he's, he's gone through a, a trade uh, during, the, uh, during the season. You mentioned that, that he's playing in the VHL called the Supreme Hockey League. That's the equivalent of the AHL um, in Russia. Um, he spent a few games in the KHL uh, last season, uh, but has been playing mostly in the AHL this year. Uh, but as I said, was involved in a trade, traded from Kimmich uh, to Ugra uh, at the end of November. Um, and at, in, at Kimmich, he had five points in 20 games, um, which maybe is okay for a defenseman. Um, but as you said, he's gone on quite a tear uh, since the trade. And uh, the last five games, three goals, six assists, nine points, plus six. Um, I don't know what's happened to him. Um, but he's getting uh, good ice time and he's just been on an offensive, uh, explosion. Uh, so keep him on your radar, Dmitry Kostenko. We certainly will. And, uh, we'll check in on him again later in the season. Absolutely. And on uh, that note, uh, I think it's a good time to welcome contributor Patrick Williams of the AHL.com and NHL.com to the show. And, uh, Rick, I'll send that off to you. Thanks, Michael. I'm pleased to welcome Patrick Williams back to the Canadians Connection. Um, as most of you know, Patrick writes about the American Hockey League for NHL.com and the NA- theAHL.com. We're also grateful that Patrick's a contributor to Rocket Sports. You'll um, hear him and see him, actually, on the Rocket Hockey Report with me, Amy Johnson, on our YouTube channel, I can he you you're too modest to, to agree with this, but I consider Patrick the AHL guru. Please welcome this morning, Patrick Williams. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, always good to be back. Oh. And very oh, close to that too. The kids love it. Yeah, uh, I love that you're here. Our our listeners love that you're here, and um, we we appreciate you stopping in with us and giving us an update. Uh, on prospects, on the Laval Rocket, on the AHL as a whole. Um, And this week, we wanted to start uh, right off with a trade. Um, Kent Hughes uh, made a trade for one Philip Cedarquist uh, from the Buffalo Sabres. And um, in, uh, in exchange for the infamous future considerations, so... Um, for those that don't know and, and count myself uh, among them, uh, who is Philip Sedequist? Well, first off, the price is right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Future considerations. It's kind of a, you know, it's a lottery ticket. I, I think you could almost call it. And, um, so he is a, well, he was in the Buffalo system. He was a fifth round pick uh, back in 2019. Uh, he comes out of the Swedish system. Um, 
you know, he came over to North America with, with, you know, some pretty good experience. Um, came into Rochester, uh, last season, um, had you know, re- relatively solid first year in North America this year. Really had a tough start. I mean, Rochester's lineup has kind of been a, a state of flux. Uh, that I think Habs fans can probably uh, relate to this. You know, as the Buffalo Sabers uh, had their their ups and downs, that trickle down effect hits uh, the lineup in, in the American League as well. And Rochester's no different. Uh, so they've had uh, they've had some some. You know, lineup issues at different points of the year. So he, you know, he, he, I think he was somebody that just a little bit, you know, just kind of found himself, um, you know, a little bit on the outside looking in. And um, this, so this is a, a, I think, a fresh start for for both sides. Uh, only twenty three years old, so so that 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 part's good. Um, you know, and generally speaking, you know, um, Swedish Swedish players tend to be. Uh, well-rounded in just in terms of uh, the training that they get coming up through the system. He uh, came up through the, uh, I can never say this name properly, but it's uh, Vetschwa, um, you know, the, in the, the Swedish system. So uh, they have a good program. He was able to go through there, um, played in uh, your gardens uh, his last season before coming to, to North America. So, you know, he has a pretty good background in that sense. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, especially with the Rockets, uh, given what their injury situation is, um, absolutely just getting hammered by injuries. Um, you can certainly put a, uh, a competent, um, forward with some good experience into the lineup, uh, to fill a spot and, uh, see where it goes from here. I mean, at worst, um, you, you've spent nothing and uh, at best, maybe you have a player that, that has some room at least for for a little bit of growth. Yeah, as you said, he played in the SHL, uh, playing against men uh, at your garden, uh, 32 points in 49 games for them, then came over to Rochester um, and uh, last season, 20 points in 55 games. Um, mm-hmm. From what I've, I've read, uh, the, his, his calling is his shot, uh, his physical play. Um, Jeff Wool talked about uh, the fact that uh, he didn't make any mistakes uh, in his in his uh, debut with with the rocket, uh, like the way he played on the um, on the four check. He's got good size, six three, and and mm-hmm. uh, and knows how to use his size um, and seemed to to fit right in. He he said he was a bit shocked by the trade, but that um, he was happy that he was going to. Uh, the Montreal organization happy that they uh, wanted him, uh, and happy that he can now play as a uh, on the home side uh, in Place Bell because he he remarked on on what a difficult arena uh, that is to play while you're um, a member of the opposition. Um, so a- as you said, uh, injuries in Laval, some call ups. Um, uh, Mitchell Stevens, uh, as we know, has been up with uh, the Canadians for a while. Joshua Waugh, um, up. So uh, this this seems like a body, uh, but as you said, very young and and still um, has some potential. And um, sounds like he's. He's got a good background to fit into Lavelle um, for the, for the time being. Uh, just just uh, the 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 trade was billed as future considerations 
Um, what does that for those uh, for our, our listeners? What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> usually, it doesn't mean much, right? Quite honestly, it's. Um, I've always kind of said it's a it's a way to sort of soften the blow of saying we 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 traded you for nothing, right? right? Um, you know, occasionally I think there could be you know a little bit of a you know maybe a handshake agreement down the road that okay you helped us out here down the road we'll try to help you out if uh, you know if the situation arises but uh, yeah for the most part it's uh, you know it's just I, I think this is a case where um, for Rochester and, and Buffalo they they're able to um, kind of simplify their lineup um, and also help out. Laval's lineup and give a player, you know, a fresh opportunity to, to you know, get a, you know, a new opportunity, um, you know, with, with a club where, you know, after things, you know, I think I maybe stagnate a little bit for him in, in the Buffalo system. So someone who has taken full advantage of his opportunity this season, and that's one Logan Mayu, a 20 year old defenseman. Um, and, uh, remember in 2021 uh the number 31 pick by mark bergevin of that draft um in the logan in uh the london uh knights um uh, environment for the last uh, three years and then comes to uh the laval rocket and and yes a, a bit of a cloud uh there but uh he has really been adopted uh, by the the fans of the rocket, by the, by uh, Canadians fans, uh, twenty two points in thirty five games, playing the top pairing with Arbor Jackai um, and Logan Mayu, um, and, and we heard last week uh, uh, the Bell uh, Plas Bell uh, chanting Mayu Mayu um, as he was introduced now uh, as a member of the AHL's All Star Classic. Um, he's going to the all-star game. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, Logan Mayu's season? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he comes in as a first round pick. Uh, so expectations are going to be high anywhere. And especially if you're in Montreal, um, you know, I, the thing I've been impressed with is how he's been able to, to really kind of just come into the lineup and look like he belongs right off the bat. Um, I, I find that, you know, with young defensemen, especially that's, that's one of the biggest challenges um, is, is, you know, especially a player that's played junior they're, 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 they, they found a comfort level a long time ago at the junior level. Right. And now they, you bring them up to the, to the AHL level and it's like, well, you know, like this is a lot faster, a lot more experience, a lot stronger. And, and, you know, how do I, how do I adapt to that also? And how do I kind of bring what's made me successful in, into the pro level? Um, and, you know, so f- for him, you know, the fact he's been able to produce offensively, I think that's that's really encouraging. I like that for a player. I've said this before. I like that for a player in general as well, that I, I always view that as sort of positive reinforcement um, where, you know, if they're, you know, you're, you're trying to really round out their um, their defensive game or their, their two-way game, you know, but if they're getting, if they're getting some points and you feel like that, you know, they're contributing offensively. I think, I think it helps sell the message, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how, you know, we hear this all the time, like, you know, how, you know, good defensive play will lead to offensive opportunities. And, um, so 
for him, I think that that's the encouraging part. And then you mentioned Jack Eye, right? Like he came down on uh, December fourth, and you know, really, you know, the, the two have been together, and it's just you, you could see the um, the confidence level, and I, I guess just the the the, the poise that that um, that pairing has brought yeah. uh, really to the entire club. But uh, you know, you notice you notice them right off the bat, and you know the especially with a guy like uh jack guy out there like you gotta keep your head up if you're an opposing forward and i i think just you know you know really gives the, the rocket an element that they they certainly did not have um at the start of the season i mean that, that that's a big <laughs> tough physical pairing i mean may already 60 220 um you know so he's uh he's more than physically capable at this level so uh, i mean I'm really impressed so far. Like I, he's, he's further along than I thought he'd be, to be quite honest. Uh, usually that first year for, for a defenseman at this level could be, uh, could be a little, little bumpy, especially with yeah. a club that's uh, had some issues, but for him, it's been a relatively, I think, you know, pretty smooth, uh, smooth path so far. And, you know, obviously to get the, the recognition of uh, being, you know, an all-star, uh, there's a little bit of the, uh, the little bonus uh, on top of everything. Well, something else that the Laval Rocket didn't have at the beginning of the season was uh, necessarily confidence in their goaltending tandem. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, Jakob Dobas um, has had some ups and downs, particularly at the beginning of the season. That was expected. He's a rookie goaltender uh, making the adjustment to the AHL game um, and didn't quite work out with Strauss Mann. And then um, Kazmir Kaskasu was brought in on a PTO and um, everything has kind of calmed down. Kaskaskula winning his three starts. Dobas has been very good. Um, and, and I think uh, part of it is Kaskaskula is a big personality, um, mm-hmm. has his YouTube channel. He's, he's taken some of the spotlight away from uh, Dobish, and that's a good thing. Now, um, you were on the Rocky, Rocket Hockey Report a couple weeks ago with Amy uh, Johnson and you you did a deep dive into Kaskasul. Uh We won't go there, but but just uh, talk about what you've seen over his three starts and and how that's affected uh, the Rocket team um, as a whole. Well, it's that calm that you talk about. You know, it really makes me think. Well, why didn't they do this sooner? Right? I, mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you went into the season with you know, like a rookie in Dobish and a second year goalie in Strauss Mann who had limited experience at the AHL level. And, um, it just doesn't benefit, uh, you know, either, either the goaltenders or, or the team as a whole, right? Like, and it, you know, the problems trying to feed off each other. And you, know, you could see that early on there, especially the first six weeks or so of the regular season. It just, it wasn't working out. So yeah, you bring a guy like Castro Suo in, um, he came back, uh, two years in Sweden. Um, you know, Strangely enough, I I, I I I was never able to get a good answer from anybody why he was still available in December, but um, he was, and they brought him in, and he's just he he adds that that uh, you know that that confidence, right? Like that, that, yeah. you know, if you're a young player like a Mayu or even a Jack guy or or any of the the young young players, especially, right? Like if you make a mistake, it's not necessarily going to end up in the back of your net. And I think that's just, that's huge for, for the confidence across the board. And um, yeah, he's been, he's been a huge addition already. I think just 
uh, both within the games and just, you know, overall in the roster, just kind of just giving them um, a little bit of a, uh, a fallback plan. If Dobish falters, if uh, you know, it, you know, just so I, I think for, I think it was a, a smart move. I just, you know, if I, I was the rocket, I guess I would have liked it a bit sooner. Yeah, I agree. Um, we coaches um, seem to be pulling their goalies earlier and earlier uh, these days. And uh, on Thursday night, uh, we saw Marty St. Louis pull uh, Caden Primo for the extra attacker with about eight minutes left in the game. The Canadians were down 5-1 to the Senators. However, um, doing one better, uh, we have to turn to the laboratory of ideas being the AHL and one uh, Joel Bouchard, former coach, a former head coach of the Laval Rocket, and uh, now, of course, um, head coach with the Syracuse Crunch. And in a game with uh, Utica, um, Joel Bouchard did something I've I've never seen before, and... Um, before I get your your comments on it, we're gonna I'll play the uh, play by play by the uh, voice of the Utica comments. That's one, Jason Ashaya. This one goes through the seam. Schmelzer's backhander from 150 feet away scores. They've tied the game. Short-handed. Can you believe it? Schmelzer from 150 feet away looped the puck down the ice into the empty net. Keep in mind, it was a six-on-three advantage for Syracuse. Well, I gotta say, add that to the uh, the book. I have never seen that before, and I've watched a lot of hockey games in my life. Well, Jason says he's never seen it before. I've never seen it before. He he said uh, it was a six-on-three advantage uh, for Syracuse there, and a shorthanded goal scored by Utica. Can you set the scene and explain this? Um, because this is one of the more bizarre uh, plays I've ever seen. Well, he hasn't seen it, and <laughs> I haven't seen it, and you haven't seen it. I think between the three of us, we've seen a lot of hockey in our day, and yeah. um, none of us have seen it. So, um, you know, he spoke with the media after the game, and, you know, he had said something to the effect of, you know, it's something that uh, he, had, he had considered in the past, and he – you know, was looking for the right opportunity. I guess that was the right opportunity, um, at least going into it. Uh, I think it's even a little bit of extra salt in the wound that it was a, a backhander kind of from the, you know, a little bit above the top of the circles in the, in the Utica zone. And it kind of just, um, he hit uh, kind of right down the, uh, between the uprights there and, yeah, Ryan Ryan Schmelzer um, yeah. scores shorthanded. But to set the scene, this was not the end of the game. Yes, um, this first was period. this was the first period. Uh, Syracuse was up two to one. Um, they were leading um, uh, Utica, um, and Syracuse had um, a power play. Then they got. Uh, then there was another call uh, on Utica, two men down. And at that point in the first period, leading 2-1, um, Joel Bouchard decided to pull his goaltender for an extra attacker, giving him a six-on-three, uh, as Jason uh, described, a six-on-three advantage. Uh, a little embarrassing that that uh, that Utica gets the, uh, the tying goal there, uh, being down uh, three-on-six. Uh, just... Bizarre, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, um, 
I didn't under, I was watching the game at the time. I didn't understand it. Um, I still don't understand it. Um, you know, certainly, you know, I mean, I guess the stakes are fairly low in the sense it's mid season. Um, you know, it was early. You did have time to, to, to uh, kind of recover from that. But, um, for me, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was just a, a strange move and I'm not sure that it needed to be done at that time. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as if like Syracuse, you know, was a team that was, you know, mired in maybe a 10, 10 game losing streak and a slump or, um, you know, desperate to, for looking at any sort of spark. I mean, this was a team, I mean, they're second in the, in the North division. They kind of been chugging along, uh, for a good uh, portion of the season now. And, um, so yeah, it just seems the timing just seems strange to me. Uh, and it still does. So, uh, I wish I had a better explanation for it. Um, but, I, I really don't. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, so Joe Bouchard makes this move. What do you think? Kevin Deneen's pretty experienced coach on the other side for you to kill. What do you think's going through the mind of Kevin Deneen? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Kevin Deneen is, yeah, he's a fiery coach. Yeah. The two of them are, you know, they're very similar in that regard. Uh, that they, so, I mean, yeah, if you're Utica, you know, it's a, uh, it was a game where, um, you know, maybe your, your team's a little flat. Um, you're like, okay, well, this is an opportunity here um, to make something out of, uh, you know, what would otherwise obviously be, you know, kind of a, potentially a, a really bad situation. You're, you're, like you said, you're down 2-1. Uh, it's a five-on-three. And then, that now, you know, you know, that now you have an opportunity you know, with an empty net there, just and all it took was just a backhander. Uh, so yeah, it gives you some life, and and Utica's they've had a, a tough go of it. I mean, they're on an eight game point streak right now, but uh, um, you know, it's been it's been a difficult haul for the, for the Comets for for much of the season so far. So a little bit of life. I mean, as it was, they only had seventeen shots in the game, so um, they were they were kind of flat to come out, you know, and so. Um, if I had to put myself in Kevin Deneen's uh, mind, I, I would imagine that's what I was probably thinking like, okay, well, this is something, this is at least a potential spark where, you know, we don't really have much going for us right now. Well, that's crazy. And, and I'm glad that you're here to explain that. Maybe, maybe this, uh, for your next visit, we'll do a, a wild and wacky segment, a la Marv Albert. Uh, <laughs> and if we can see, uh, find another one of these uh, crazy plays. Listen, Patrick, it's always a pleasure to have you here on the Canadians Connection. Um, if folks are, are looking to, and and you should be looking to follow Patrick Williams on X, uh, you can find him, P. Williams, AHL. Uh, on Twitter, on X. Uh, Patrick, thanks once again for joining us here on the Canadians Connection. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always fun to come on. And thank you very much to uh, Patrick Williams for giving us that update. And uh, Rick, uh, I appreciate uh, you taking over there for a little bit. No problem. Uh, Patrick's, uh, he's a regular contributor at Rocket Sports. You'll um, you'll see him with Amy Johnson on our YouTube channel, and he checks in here um, every few weeks uh, for the Canadians Connection to give us uh, a very comprehensive AHL report. 
And did you know that uh, on top of all the other things we do, we're actually taking care of the hockey news for the QMJHL. And this week, uh, we put out a brand new article from our contributor, Jeremy, who actually had an exclusive interview with QMJHL uh, Commissioner Mario uh, Kachek... Sorry, Mario uh, Sacchini, yeah. Sacchini, sorry, I don't know why I was fumbling there. But uh, amazing interview there, and uh, we recommend that you uh, check that one out. Yeah, it was a great interview. Um, a new commissioner, Mario's a new commissioner, uh, will be celebrating his first anniversary in um, in March. Um, the, the Q has made some major changes this year. You know, they had the policy on fighting. They had a name change. Um, and there's more to come. So a great interview by Jeremy. Absolutely. So if you want to check out all of our content about Canadians prospects, you can head over to THN.com slash Montreal. And if you want to find the best English language coverage of the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League, head over to THN.com slash QMJHL. And we will end this uh, segment uh, with a little bit of hockey news and notes. Uh, there was a list put out about uh, the top 10 least uh, efficient forwards in the league. So the most expensive cost per point. Rick, I'm seeing two Montreal Canadiens on this list. And I'm seeing one player that could have been a Montreal Canadian <laughs> on this list. Uh, so, of course, leading the way, uh, on number one is the New York Ranger in uh, Barclay Goudreau. Uh, coming in at about uh, 728k per point, and then if you go down the list, you see Josh Anderson, uh, 458k per point. Go a little bit lower, uh, number 10 Gallagher, 433k per point, and right in the middle of them, number eight, uh, one Pierre Luc Dubois, the Los Angeles Kings, 447k per point. Perhaps a dodged bullet there. Well, and and um, absolutely, certainly a dodge bullet. If it was up to uh, Canadians fans, certainly Dubois would have been um, a, a Montreal Canadian, a, a bad uh, a point per contract rate uh, for Dubois. We also notice um, a former um, Montreal Canadian, uh, Delorier, uh, at $538,000 per point. Uh, currently playing with Philadelphia. And uh, we also know that, that fans were crying out for Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, who is <laughs> is uh, also on this list at $456,000 per point. Um, so uh, an interesting list. Uh, Canadians are the only uh, team to have uh, two members. Um, consider them bad contracts, both uh, Gallagher and Josh Anderson. Um, an interesting metric here, and we just thought it was a little fun to, to bring it to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think just one other thing I'll point out here is you look at uh, Barclay, Barclay Goudreau at number one, uh, Nick Delorier at number three. I think those are guys with very different roles on their respective oh, teams, sure. not necessarily the guys you depend on to get points. So, uh, yeah, and like you said, a couple of Montreal Canadiens on this list, a couple guys that fans were hoping to be Montreal Canadiens on this list and perhaps uh, uh, some dodged bullets there. So we wanted just to talk about that for a little bit. And uh, with that, I think it's a good time to get to our first break. Uh, we'll hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then it's the big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. 
This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Maybe you want to make a bet on five different players who are going to score a goal tonight. The opportunities are endless on DraftKings Sportsbook. There are so many different combinations, opportunities, specials, parlays, straight up money line bets, you name it. There's so many ways to play on DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at Rocket Sports. Also make sure that you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can check out the website CanadiansConnection.fm. Just a reminder here to also make sure that you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in your favorite player or on your favorite podcasting app. That way you never miss a single episode. And uh, Rick, we have some present, some future and some past to go through for Montreal Canadiens prospects. Uh, Going through a little bit of everything. And then we have an interview uh, as Amy Johnson's going to step in towards uh, the end of this segment. But uh, how about we start here uh, on the present, uh, what we currently have in the system? How does that sound to you? That sounds great to me. So this past week, uh, The Athletic released their ranking of top NHL players and prospects under the age of 23 years old. And, uh, well, let's see how the Canadians' uh, prospects ranked. Um, scrolling through, it's uh, taken me a little while here to scroll through. I know num- number one here, it's uh, Connor Bedard, of course. Uh, in that uh, second uh, tier, it's uh, they're calling it the elite tier. No Habs there. Tier three, bubble uh, elite or star. No Habs here. Okay. Tier number five, the bubble NHL all-star, and they have Uri Slavkovsky right there, so that's going to start off for the Canadians. Mentions that uh, his uh, production has not uh, come through yet, but there is a belief that uh, once he gets going that he will be uh, pretty effective, and of course he's taking on a bigger role on the Montreal Canadiens this year, uh, mostly playing on that top line. Uh, let's see if there's any other Canadians. Okay, S- tier six. Okay, we have both Caulfield and Rhinebacker here. Tier seven, Kirby Doc, uh, kind of the middle uh, middle lineup player, bubble player, makes sense. And then we have like half a dozen players here in tier eight. So what what are your thoughts about this rankings? It seems like pretty high on uh, Slavkovsky. I thought uh, 
Cole Caulfield certainly could have been a little bit higher in this, but uh, no, nevertheless, this is a pretty interesting thing to go through and see how uh, Montreal's prospects ranks up against uh, a lot of other teams. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, these lists are fascinating. Um, I should say they're they're pretty hard to do. Um, yeah. This one is is from Corey Pronman and and he's been doing this a while. He he has a focus just on prospects. Um, so he's able not only uh, to rank the prospects um, in each team, but but um, rank the prospects overall throughout um, hockey, uh, really. And um, we know that that different um, different people ra- are, have different definitions about what includes a prospect. Uh, Corey, every year it's the same. Um, and, uh, this definition is a player must be 22 years old or younger as of January 1st, 2024 to qualify. So that's the best, um, uh, players under 23 who are in the NHL or, or haven't yet made it. Um, and so I think it's fair. I, I, you know, I'd quibble with, with, uh, a couple of the, um, the Canadians, um, uh, ratings, uh, you know, I might, I might have, uh, would I have Cole Caulfield ahead of Yuri Slavkovsky? M- maybe, although I think he's looking at uh, the potential for Slavkovsky. Uh, Rhinebacker might be a little high. I might have Kirby Doc ahead of of him. I might have Caden Gooley higher. Um, Logan Mayu maybe a little bit higher. I think Joshua Waugh is too high. Um, and and it goes on, uh, you know, to Sean Farrell one at number one sixty five. Uh, overall, uh, Logan Mayu, 148. Um, it's, it's interesting. However, I guess, I guess the, you know, when I look at this and, and you look at where the Canadians rank compared to the rest of the prospects or the rest of, of the under 23s, that's where you, you get a little depressed. I think, um, yeah. I, I, you know, the top one on this list is Yuri Slavkovsky, and that's number 20. Uh, 25, Cole Caulfield. 47, David Reinbacker. Um, the Montreal Canadiens have have had the first overall pick and the fifth overall pick the last two years, and the best that they can do is the 20th-ranked player under 23, and, and then it drops to Reinbacker, who's uh, at 47. Um you know, and and you get a little uh, envious of other. Of course, Chicago with Bedard at one. Uh, New Jersey has two Hugheses in the top ten. Um, Tim Stutzla, uh, who uh, the Canadians ran into, or in particular Brendan Gallagher ran into this week at number three. Adam Fantilli from the last draft at number four. Um, Leo Carlson at number five, and then if you if you don't want to hear this, hold your you know turn this volume down. Number six, Matt Vaymichkov oh. with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he has ranked um, Matt Matt Vaymichkov number six at under twenty three players, and David Reinbacker at forty seven. Now listen, these aren't these aren't set in stone. Uh, Corey Pronman's not always right. But you have to wonder, is he going to be a little off on Matt Vaymichkov? Is is he going to be six, uh, six best? Is he going to be third best? Is he going to be 12th best? I don't think he's going to fall to 47. And I don't think that David Reinbacker is going to come up from 47 to be the best player 
um, you know, of the two. That's that's where I think, as you go through, it gets a little discouraging for um, Canadians fans. Luke Hughes, number seven, as I said, there's two Hugheses in there, and then Moritz Sider at number eight. Um, so, yes, the Canadians are in a rebuild. Um, yes, they have benefited some from some high draft choices, but they have to start hitting Nick Bobrov. This is to you. Yeah. They have to start hitting on those um, those draft choices because, uh, as we see, they're they're now moving into that mushy middle where they're not in the the bottom five anymore, and and uh, the draft picks are going to be more critical uh, that that uh, you hit on because they're not they don't have the choice of of one of those top uh, top five picks. Yeah, absolutely. And my kind of takeaway here is there were a lot of players in that eighth tier that are projecting to be kind of middle of the lineup. And I think, you know, there's a lot of good prospects that could turn out to be NHL players, but certainly a lack of firepower up front because we don't get our first halves prospect until tier five, which is quote unquote, the bubble NHL all-star. And that's your Slavkovsky, who we're yet to see turn into that. There's, I think bubble is the important word here. So uh, I think, um, uh, as we look towards the future here, it's going to be very important for Montreal to maybe beef this up a little bit. So are you talking about a point-of-game player? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think Ken Hughes was asked about this. We'll get to that pretty soon, but uh, let's let's take a look at the future. So it's it's uh, kind of the middle of the season here. Uh, uh, the general manager, Kent Hughes, had a media availability, and he shared some views on uh, the Habs season so far. Prospect development, a uh, plan for the trade deadline, and how he's going to use his assets to acquire more talent. Um, one of the things that I thought kind of stood out here was when he was asked about Laval, and, and in particularly the coaching from Laval. We do have some audio for it, but uh, there, are, there are a lot more prospects in Laval this season, which is great. Uh, I think there have been points in the season where the prospects haven't been playing a ton. And uh, before we get to this uh, audio from Ken Hughes talking about the coaching of Laval, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to tee this up? Well, I think it's it's very interesting because the question asked is uh, was specifically uh, about J.F. Uhl and, and uh, how he's done as a coach in Laval. And listen to his, his answer. He's done a great job. The, the coaching staff and the development group are, are there pretty consistently, whether it's uh, Scott Pellerin or Adam or, or Paul Byron and Frankie Bouillon, uh, working with the coaches too. And, and we've seen the progression individually, right? Like uh, even Arbor in his time there, we sent him there to, uh, to work on his game and we're seeing that Logan's taken a real step. And I think Arbor's presence has probably helped uh, Logan with that. Collectively, the, the team's winning, and they, they live our injuries and their injuries, right? So if we have an injury, we take a player away. If they have an injury, uh, if you have both, you know, they deal with depleted rosters. I know early on goaltending was uh, was a factor, uh, and that seems to have stabilized too. So they're on a heck of a run, and you know, we're hopeful that that will continue and the players will have the benefit of having a playoff run. Do you see where he ended up there? Uh, he talked yeah. about... Goaltending, he talked about um, a run to the playoff. What was he asked? He was asked specifically about J.F. Uhl. And he said, oh, he's done a good job. Pivot. Pivot. Uh, get off of J.F. Uhl. And he goes to the development group. And he mentions by name Scott Pellerin, Adam Nicholas, Paul Byron, uh, Frankie Bouillon, 
um, and how the development group has done a great job going down there and help helping to develop Logan Mayu and and um, um, with Arbor Jack I going you know it was very interesting. Um, he's not going to say that he didn't do a good job because that's going to cause cause headlines, but. He didn't state and he didn't elaborate about J.F. Uhl. Why is that important? J.F. Uhl is in the last year of his um, contract. J.F. Uhl, not known as, as a development coach uh, per se. Um, he, he talks about focusing on winning. Uh, he talks about focusing on pleasing the fans. Um, so that's something that, that um, not saying that they've made a decision um, about the future of the coaching staff in uh, in Laval, just saying that's something to watch. And I just thought it was really curious how quick he pivoted off of J.F. Hool. Yeah, so that w- that clip was like a little bit over 50 seconds long. I think about five seconds was about J.F. Hool. The rest of it was about everything else in Laval. And, you know, I, I think it's nice that uh, Kent Hughes uh, brings up the playoffs and he brings up uh, that uh, the goaltending has been improving. You know, Jakob Dobas, I think, has been a huge reason for that. But uh, like you said, uh, he certainly pivots there. And uh, throughout his media availability, I think he pivoted quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as we approach uh, the trade deadline here, I think I think it's fair to say Montreal should be sellers. Um, sounds like Kent Hughes is, isn't really in a rush to make a trade, though. Um, he was asked about uh, his commitment to Sean Monaghan. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I think was speculated upon with Sean Monaghan coming and re-signing with Montreal for one year is that uh, he would get traded at uh, the trade deadline um, to a playoff contender. Uh, he you know, certainly has a lot of opportunities to be showcased here uh, in Montreal, uh, playing an elevated role, and I think he's been great in Montreal for sure. Uh, I see Sean Monaghan on a lot of those trade bait boards, but uh, what, what what do you think uh, Kent Hughes uh, is uh, trying to say here with uh, Sean Monaghan? Well, he's, he's again playing the cards uh, uh, close to his chest. If he says, uh, yes, I'm anxious to trade Sean Monaghan, uh, yes, I have a, had a deal with Sean Monaghan to trade him, then... Um, you know, then the general managers who might be interested are going to, um, you know, well, offer less and 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 think that he's desperate to trade Sean Monaghan if he plays it that, no, you know, we could keep him, we, we could keep it. Then, then his val- the value um, goes up because he's not so desperate. So uh, don't take everything you hear from... Um, Ken Hughes at face value. Remember his words, and he was very clear. As a former agent, I plan to leverage the media in the role of the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Remember that all the time. He's he's not only speaking to fans to answer a question, um, answer the question he's been asked. He's he's using the media to send a message to other GMs um, and and maybe agents and and those kinds of things. Um, and he was asked specifically about Sean Monaghan because uh, it was Darren Drager this week on Inside Tra- Trading. Um, I have the quote from from Drager. Drager said, "You got you got to go back to the off season when the Canadians signed Sean Monaghan. They had an agreement at that point that said we will trade you when the time is right to a contending team or to a team of your choice. Nothing has changed there." In fact, and Dreger goes on, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Monaghan is a 
amongst the first forwards to get dealt before the deadline. Um, Is that reasonable? Uh, Well, remember uh, that Sean Monaghan signed for a discount. Um, And and yes, he he said all the right things about liking to play in um, Montreal, but he'd also like to play for a contender. So did that discussion happen? Uh, Well, uh, Kent Hughes was asked specifically about that report. I think more generally, Harpin, it was really like when you talk about uh, signing a player to a one-year deal and and, uh, convincing a player to come to a team on that, uh, like ours, that's that's, uh, in a phase of building. Um, You know, as a player, I think you evaluate it and look at what the opportunity is because, you know, you're you're coming in trying to uh, reset right after a number of years of uh, injury-riddled seasons where he hasn't been able to play, um, to be able to reset, but also to be able to play. So, you know, the kind of more open-ended situation with Sean was come here, play, uh, let's see where we are uh, when we get to the deadline. And it's still the case. Um, Word salad. Um, (laughs) He danced around. He didn't want to say that. He didn't want to agree it, uh, agree with um, with that report. Um, but he didn't deny it either. And and the way he danced around, uh, I think it's clear um, that the answer is yes, yes. Um, there was that 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 was part of the discussion. That uh, listen, Sean, if you come here, um, you you'll get lots of playing time. You'll get to prove yourself. You'll be showcased, and then. Uh, we'll do our best to to trade uh, trade you by the deadline. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, the other interesting uh, part of that quote was um, that uh, Ken Hughes, he, you know, he doesn't like to say rebuild. He doesn't like to say um, those kinds of words. But he said, a team like ours in a phase of building, in a phase of building. So a different <laughs> spin on, on uh, the rebuild. Yeah, uh, that's a good catch there, Rick. I actually didn't uh, hear that one at first, but uh, yeah, that just sounds like a fancier way of rebuilding. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Ken Hughes kind of dancing around a little bit there. Uh, something else that uh, was talked about was uh, adding talent. Uh, if that's something uh, that he would, uh, maybe if there's a surplus that uh, Montreal has in some areas, you know, you see maybe there's a bit of a logjam on defense, or he mentioned that. There are quite a few draft picks uh, that this organization has over the next few years. Would he uh, go and uh, look to add some talent? Uh, That was something that was brought up as well. And uh, I think uh, another brilliant question, uh, I'm not sure who asked this this question, but Ken Hughes was asked, uh, do you think the Habs need a point-per-game player? And it was brought up that the last time they had one was one uh, Alex Kovalev, and uh, Ken Hughes had kind of an interesting answer for this one as well. I mean, I don't really think of it in terms of a point-per-game player. I do hear that a lot in this market. Um, you know, like I can think of, I mean, may be obvious for me because I represented him, but Patrice Bergeron, I don't think he was ever a point-per-game player, and he's going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. So, pardon me? There were guys on that team who played with him. Yeah, probably in large part because of him. Um, so, listen, we're looking for players that can help us are are we looking to add offense to this group yeah no question about it it's you know we're talking about our our d group and and having uh, a lot of depth and trying to rebalance the ledger if if we're able to do that and and either use 
players, young players that we have that we feel are, you know, there's just a logjam in a position or draft picks. We've accumulated a lot of draft picks, right? We've got 22 picks over the next two years. Do I expect that we'll use all 22? In a perfect world, no. In a perfect world, we'll use some of those picks uh, as we've done in the past, you know, to get a, a dock, a new hook or whatever. And, you know, as we continue to move forward, we'll have more flexibility in, in terms of financial flexibility under the cap to, to evaluate things. Fascinating. And again, we're playing uh, longer clips than, than we normally do. And, and that's because we want to give you the full context of, of what was said. Um, again, this is something, uh, and I believe it was Stu Cowan that said, uh, do the Canadians need a, a point per game player? Um, and then interjected um, uh, that, um, that the, the Bruins had those players um, during the, um, the tenure of Patrice Bergeron. Uh, but it was, as you said, a good question. And um, again, this is something that the general manager can't say, yes, we're desperate for that kind of player. Um, how could he do that? And, and, and you know, then looks, um, you know, in, in, it would hamper his negotiations uh, if he's going to acquire that kind of player. He actually touched on uh, the cutter Gauthier trade, but is that a impact player? Is is he about to be an impact player, a point per game player? Um, and the Canadians were offered um, a cutter Gauthier more than once, um, as you talked about last week. Um, but this reference to Patrice Bergeron is is I think it's a bit of a red herring. No, Patrice Bergeron was not a point per game player, but as Stu said. There was there was players around him who were and and a really weak answer from Hughes saying, "Well, that was a, they were point per game players in large part because of Patrice Bergeron." All right, but you still need those players. Um, so if Nick Suzuki is the comparable, um, and he's going to be the Patrice Bergeron, and he's not going to get to be a point per game player, you still need um, some snipers around him. Um, and he went on to concede that that um, that the uh, they're still looking for offense, and and he talked about the 2022 draft. He said their first three picks were forwards: um, Slavkovsky, Mich- uh, Philippe Machar, and uh, Owen Beck. Now, I don't I don't know that uh, each of those players might have a, a place in the Canadians lineup. I don't think there's anybody there that's a point per game player. Um, and the other reason why the whole Patrice Bergeron um, reference is uh, is a bit weak is because uh, the Stanley Cup, the Bruins Stanley Cup, where uh, Bergeron played a, a, a key f- factor, uh, was back in 2011. Um, Jacques Martin called them the big heavy. Um, that's how the Bruins won. That doesn't win in the NHL these days. Uh, there's a lot more offensive talent and uh, players and, and teams have multiple players who can tr- contribute offensively. Um, so I think, again, um, he's dodging the question, he's dancing, um, and he's leveraging the media uh, so that he doesn't upset his negotiations or or focusing in on draft picks or those kinds of things. And he said, we're not going to use all of our 22 picks. We're going to put them together for a trade. Um as we've done before. Uh, so don't take everything Kent Hughes says at face value because he has different reasons for saying what he does. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess to the point of Nick Suzuki, is Suzuki going to be a perpetual silky candidate? Probably not a reasonable expectation at this point. Suzuki's still a very good player, but uh, definitely I, I think we can all agree that uh, they need that power, power. They need at least one point per game player, and uh, I just don't feel like that's currently in the system. Uh, so I think it's time to take a look at the past a little bit. Uh, if we want to go all the way back to 1995, the Montreal Canadiens uh, selected in the draft a uh, future star of the hit show Shorzy, Terry Ryan in the first round, eighth overall. Um, uh, of course, uh, as a Canadiens prospect, uh, Ryan played 126 games with the Fredericton Canadians of the AHL. At the time, that was the AHL affiliate for the Canadians. He went on and played eight games with the Montreal Canadiens. And this week, Ryan suited up for the Newfoundland Growlers of the ECHL at the age of 47. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and welcome Amy Johnson to the show, as well as Chris Ballard, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Newfoundland Growlers, uh, and uh, along with Rick Stevens. And uh, I'm looking forward to this interview. Well, thank you very much for that, Michael. Uh, Very happy to be here in the studio with uh, Rick for another special guest and this is one I'm really delighted to get to welcome this guest uh, into the studio and have a have a chat with him today because it's been far too long since we've gotten a chance to sit down and talk with the one and only Chris Ballard, uh, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Newfoundland Growlers, the ECHL affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Chris, it's great to talk to you and welcome to the Canadians Connection. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, an awful long time. My my final season with with Brampton. Well, actually, even prior to that, because when yeah. I left Brampton in seventeen after the seventeen eighteen season, but they mm-hmm. were Ottawa affiliates at that time. So mm-hmm. I guess we last would have really connected uh, in the sixteen seventeen season. So yeah, wonderful to uh, to reconnect with you guys. Well, it was always fun to uh, to talk to you and on the road uh, as we were following the, the Brampton Beast and. And uh, you always had uh, great stories and 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 great things to say. Um, listen, we're we're here today because last Sunday, um, I think all eyes of of the hockey world were on uh, St. John's uh, once again, and because of one uh, Terry Ryan. And mm-hmm. um, if we can just start today by um, who is Terry Ryan? Uh, we know him. Um, as uh, as a podcaster, and and uh, he has a podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the same as we do. We know him from the Letterkenny and the Shorzy spinoff, and uh, but he was also way back when a first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, uh, why don't you just take us through the the background of of Terry Ryan, and and I guess also uh, why he is a, a prominent personality in St. John's. No, for sure. All valid questions. So, you know, Terry, the uh, eighth, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read, reread his bio since I wrote it a couple of days ago. What, eighth <laughs> overall in 1995? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and really a larger than life personality. Like I, I, when I was growing up as a hockey fan here in St. John's, you know, I did so right at the time when Terry, I was like, I think eight years old when Terry got drafted. So high, he was the highest drafted Newfoundlander of all time. So, uh, and you know, as he went about his pro career and, and again, me being a hockey fan, watching minor pro hockey in St. John's, he came through as a member of the Fredericton Canadians, became a member of the St. John's Maple Leafs and played here. And, you know, and from there you knew that he had 
was unable to really achieve the the level he wanted in his pro career. And then uh, he just, he's always been a figure in, in St. John's and in the, the Newfoundland and Labrador hockey scene, you know, whether he was as to his own admission, stocking shelves for Red Bull, like you, you always kind of knew what Terry was up to a little bit. And um, you know, for how the story came around to the growlers with, with Terry in particular and how it found its way to me. So we had played a three and three against the Adirondack Thunder this past week and we this was saturday night i had just finished writing my game notes for sunday's game no normally i get a little bit of a heads up if we're signing someone or maybe our affiliate the toronto marlies are sending someone down i didn't get any heads up so i wake up on sunday morning the day of the game to a text a text message from my color guy not even someone like from growlers management because the story had clearly blown up overnight yeah and, to, and i learned that oh my God, is this real? Are the Growlers signing Terry Ryan? And I, I opened Twitter, it was everywhere. So I'm like, well, I, I, I guess we are. Uh, so for there, I confirmed the details I needed to confirm to write the aforementioned bio and add them to the back end of our system so that, you know, TR could, could suit up again for the Growlers making his first pro appearance since 2003. So it, it happened really quickly, and I got a lot of text messages from a lot of people asking the exact same. Is like, is this for real? Is this a publicity stunt? Well, no, but like it, it the the byproduct is is some wonderful publicity. But it was really a, a whirlwind day that just started. We yeah, with a with a text message like, "Have you seen this blow up on the internet?" And I kind of <laughs> caught up from there. It was really a wild day. Well, maybe you could describe for us kind of as as a providing a bit of backstory, describe kind of the unique set of circumstances that so. set this up, you know, that a, that a 47-year-old Terry Ryan is going to come and return to pro hockey and play a game and sign with the Growlers. Um, what, what, what pieces fell into place or, or kind of got jostled out of place for this, for this unique situation yeah, to even all happen? All of the above really seemed to happen uh, in order for the perfect set of circumstances to take place to allow Terry to unironically be in the Growlers lineup. So the Growlers had been, I mean, as any team is, as you enter the unofficial second half of the season, you have your own fair share of guys who are banged up. And that would, sure, the Growlers had had a few injured players, but for the, I would say maybe even the prior two weeks before this game, uh, the Growlers had been decimated by a stomach flu, stomach bug that had gone around the area. Um, I had even missed a game the week prior. And as a broadcaster, you, know, you never miss games. That never happens. <laughs> never. So, uh, you know, it had gone around and it had finally caught up to our locker room. Like even on Saturday night, I had heard we had maybe five healthy bodies. I don't know if that number will be stretched over time. Um, but very few guys were really healthy and good to go. So typically... <clears throat> the first call you would make if you need a new player is you would look on your own ECHL waiver wire. You would see if there's any guys who maybe have been released or guys playing in the SPHL, the Southern Professional Hockey League, to see. But this is when you're on a rock in the North Atlantic and you need a guy in 12 hours' time, you have to go to your next option. So for the Growlers for a long time, uh, that had just been your local senior ranks. That's the highest-ranking amateur hockey being played in your area. Um, so... Typically, you know, that's where the Growlers had dipped into that well and, and had come up with real strong players in the past. Jordan Escott's a regular player now for Newfoundland, had unbelievable fill-ins, um, you know, Dan Cadigan being another one. So really, uh, so normally, but we we uncovered through, through this circumstance that uh, there's a Hockey Canada imposed date of January 10th 
where any senior level or for that matter, junior level players who play any professional games basically omit themselves from their own seasons from having done so. Um, so not sure if the search for a, for players included trying to go down that route and guys saying, no, I'm not throwing my year away for you. Or if the growlers had the sense to say, okay, well, what next is, what's the next pool we get to pull from? And then you have to get really creative <laughs> uh, because I, and I had spoken again with my, my color guy, Ben Murphy. He was like, Chris, like you realize I may have been the next phone call after <laughs> Terry, like guys who may have played senior hockey or maybe just got out of junior hockey in your area who are somehow still in game shape. Like you're really trying to meet a very specific set of criteria. And one guy who met that criteria was Terry Ryan, <laughs> still in gr in good shape, you know, clearly knows the game well. Like, you can't fake that, uh, you know, through being drafted into the NHL. And, and you know, then I think the, the brass with the growlers kind of stepped back to say, like, man, this could be such a cool thing if I could pull this <laughs> off. And have him in. And that's what I mean when I say unironically, because, like, we needed a, a warm body. We needed someone to come in and play, like, literally probably take some shifts in this game. And, and I can't speak on behalf of management. Don't get me wrong. I'm just a fly on the wall for a lot of cool <laughs> conversations. Um, and, and from there, it's yeah, he was in the starting lineup then. And, like, the roar in the building was unbelievable. And clearly he did what he did late in the third period. Like, he got a regular shift in the third. Sure, the game was a little out of hand at that point. But... It, it really was a unique set of circumstances that led to him being able to, to get into the lineup. And, and it, yeah, it just made everyone proud. And like really the, the buzz was something I hadn't seen since the Growlers had won the Kelly cup in, in 2019. It was really that impactful. Well, and Terry said after the game, all the stars aligned, all the stars had to align for him to, to get there. And, and maybe uh, Terry, uh, uh, an honest, um, an honest guy, an honest hard worker, uh, the stars didn't necessarily align for uh, the hockey career that he had mapped out for himself. As as you said, he was uh, a first-round pick by the Canadians in 1995. Um, he did get into eight NHL games with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, no goals, no assists, no points, but 36 minutes in penalties. Um, <laughs> and he, as you said, uh, a member of the Fredericton Canadiens. And I was talking to uh, Patrick Williams, um, who covers the AHL, and, and he said, who would have imagined that an alum of the Frederick, Fredericton Canadians would appear in a, a, a professional game in, in 2024? Um, but there he was and, um, and embraced the situation, and, and he did a, a pregame uh, speech to his, his teammates uh, that, yeah. that we saw on social media. Maybe just talk about that game day, him, him in, in the locker room, him taking the warm up, And then, as you said, it was, uh, he had a couple of eventful uh, shifts ending with, with a he fight. Sure uh, maybe, maybe just talk about the game day. Yeah. Even, even just leading into the game, you know, uh, us staff, you, you get, to the rink pretty early and I, I think I was at the rink particularly early just to be around it all um be just because you really could feel a different energy you can't put your finger on exactly what it was but there was definitely something special and then you hear the music kind of emitting from down in the locker room area and then you're like oh that, that must be Terry I, I guess he's here you know it's like it's like what you'd, you'd swear he was Michael Jordan or something but yeah. really it, you know it's just a legendary local local player but 
you know, and then, yeah, everyone was locked in to, to warm up just to get a glimpse of, of what he was. And yeah, sure. He looked like a 47 year old player, there, <laughs> but like, but still he's Terry Ryan, like, and you'd swear he was right plucked right out of 1995 again. Like it, it really was a surreal energy. And, and in the ECHL, like let's, let's be reasonable. Like you don't get a lot of these moments that really do sell you tickets overnight. And that's what I mean when I said it was a byproduct, like, mm-hmm. Really, and then your walk-up, you don't really see the the amount of walk-up that the, that we got like that overnight. It really, like the vibe in that building was something you never see on a Sunday afternoon in the middle of a of a double A pro season very tip very often. So it, it, there's really not 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 a lot else to say about it. It was just really like the energy was unbelievable. Specifically, you've talked about the energy and how <laughs> things just kind of felt different in the building. Um, can you can you speak specifically to to the fan reaction, whether it was during warmups, whether it was the first shift, whether it was during the fight? But but your observation of the fans in that building and and what it meant for them to be witnessing it and and supporting Terry Ryan and just having the time of their life. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, <clears throat> pardon me, um, you know, they had heard the stories about him, like especially a lot of our younger side of our fan base, like probably had folks like me or their parents tell them like, Oh, we had, you know, Terry Ryan, this big thing. And like, and, and really just having dwelled on the positives of what, like, cause he had a lot of great fights and a great junior career, a great highlight reel there. So like that would be what the story was, but you know, almost turned into like this Paul Bunyan esque figure, I think. <laughs> and I think people just wanted to come and see what was left of him. And, 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 but really he, he really delivered on, on everything that he ever was, I think as a player. You know, he brought the energy and like during that shift and like you can hear it in my voice during my call, um, I really didn't know what he was going to do in this game. Was he going to get a regular shift? Was was he going to go out and drop him? No, that's crazy. What reason would he have to go out and 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 fight, especially in the third period of, of a three and forget it. There's no way he's going to do this. So there was genuine surprise in my my own voice I think when when he actually dropped the gloves and the hockey teammate in him just took over and and you can hear in the post-game interview when he talks about you know I saw that James Melindy took a hit and and from there he just kind of blacked out and, and I'm <laughs> paraphrasing of course but but it but it's true like it just the teammate in Terry just took over like that never goes away I or I didn't with Terry and and it was just such a cool and to see the fans in real time and as myself through a fan lens almost getting to to live that moment with pure shock and excitement you know shades of 95 all over again like there it's I think everyone in the building kind of felt that everyone tuned in online. That's another piece of this. Just miraculously, this game was scheduled to be uh, live streamed for free on uh, flow hockey, like the league's yeah, uh, yeah. streaming platform. And like that happens to each team like once or twice a year. And it just so happened that this Sunday afternoon game was the free one. Oh, wow. And this thing was thanks to spitting chiclets and those guys like this thing was blown up like we had tens of thousands of viewers on a silly little echl broadcast <laughs> on a sunday afternoon like it really everyone fed off of all the the energy the lore the 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 man the myth the legend that was terry ryan and to see it all kind of culminate when he came out of the tunnel he was named the game's hardest working player and just seeing one more curtain call one more bow to the crowd Man, just so cool. Like, I, I don't think it's even really hit home to me as as 
Chris Ballard, the Newfoundland hockey fan, Chris, the kid who grew up, you know, idolizing players like Terry. Like, I think over time, it's only going to be like, man, I can't believe we got to be a part of that. It was really too cool. <laughs> well, uh, nothing like having someone whose job it is to make a story out of hockey day in and day out to come and tell us the story of <laughs> Terry Ryan's appearance uh, in, in pro hockey this past weekend. Uh, Chris Ballard he is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Newfoundland Growlers. Um, of course, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us on the show today. We wish you the best of luck in the second half of the season. Um, and if you want to follow him on Twitter... I highly recommend it. Uh, keep track and keep tabs of everything that uh, the Growlers are doing. You can find him at Growlers Ballard. And uh, Chris, it's been it's been a great chat, and you are welcome to come back anytime here on the Canadians Connection. Guys, thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. And a big thank you to both Amy Johnson and uh, one Chris Ballard for uh, joining the show there. Uh, lots of great stories uh, to be had there, and I'm sure uh, you all enjoyed listening to that as well. Uh, I think uh, on that note, uh, we'll uh, head into our final break here. Uh, But first, uh, I do want to remind everyone of our Canadians Connection question of the week. And uh, to our listeners, we asked, should Kent Hughes be pursuing a point-per-game player during the rebuild? We want to hear from you. So take uh, this uh, final break here to think about it. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The Rocket Sports Media team wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, log in to THN.com slash Montreal, your year-round source for anything Habs-related. That's THN.com slash Montreal. Welcome back to episode 279 of the Canadians Connection podcast. 
here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also check out the website, canadiansconnection.fm. And feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And once again, just wanted to give a big thank you to both uh, Chris Ballard and Patrick Williams for joining us on this show. Uh, Both fantastic interviews uh, that were done there. And also Amy Johnson for popping in a little bit there. Uh, Enjoyed listening to all of those and uh, looking forward uh, to having uh, someone back maybe potentially in the future, uh, particularly Patrick Williams, who's always a great uh, source of knowledge. But uh, Rick, in this segment, I, I think it, we can both agree Montreal Canadiens kind of difficult to keep track of. Always something interesting going on, right? We got, and we have lots of ways that um, lots of content and lots of ways you can consume that content about the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. And uh, did you know that uh, we cover the Montreal Canadiens for the hockey news? And you can find all that content at thn.com/slash/Montreal. All your Canadians coverage in one place. We have game day content, uh, feature articles. We also cover the prospects. So make sure you head over to THN.com slash Montreal. Also, if you like uh, multimedia, we also have a YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to it and just search at all Habs, and you'll be able to find it throughout the week. We have a couple different shows. Uh, two of them are hosted by Amy Johnson. Uh, she hosts the Habs Hockey Report show. And the latest episode is entitled Kent Hughes Speaks. Five takeaways from his mid-season review. And also, you can find the Rocket Hockey Report show uh, covering the Laval Rocket. And the latest episode there is entitled, Can You Believe It? Laval Could Make the Playoffs. So head over there. Check out both of those shows throughout the week. Leave a like if you like what you saw. Leave a comment to get involved in that conversation. And uh, I hope you enjoy all of those shows. Uh, we also put this podcast on uh, our YouTube channel as well, the Canadians Connection podcast. And uh, last week's episode was entitled Hudson Mashar Beck Fowler analyst Russ Cohen rates Habs prospects. Uh, so you get to go on there. Uh, if you prefer uh, watching through YouTube, you can go there. If you missed it, check that one out. Like, subscribe if you uh, enjoy what you saw. And also, you're going to want to hit that notification bell because uh, throughout the month, we do a couple of live stream watch alongs on YouTube. Uh, the next one coming up is the New York Islanders visiting Montreal Thursday, January the 25th. Myself, as well as my Rocket Sports Media colleague Nathan, will be hosting that. Uh, Make sure that uh, you tune in. uh, Make sure that uh, you get involved. We have a live chat going. You get uh, live play-by-play. You get some commentary, some interesting Habs questions. So make sure you mark the calendar for that one. Uh, Thursday, January the 25th, uh, the New York Islanders visit Montreal. And you can find all of that at all Habs on YouTube. So make sure that you're subscribed. And it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the the live streams, the watch-alongs are, are just uh, the best way to watch a game. Uh, we have so many uh, Canadians fans that join us and have the ability to chat and ask questions. Um, and uh, it's easy. Just, just turn your TV on, turn the game on, turn the sound off. Uh, you don't want, you're not missing anything there anyway. Put uh, YouTube on and uh, and join uh, uh, our our staff, uh, both uh, Nathan and Michael, um, as well as fans from all over the world. And uh, you'll really, it's a great way to enjoy the game. And and our live streams have been growing and growing and growing. Tons of fans, lots of fun. Best way to watch a game. Absolutely. And if you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed to the premier Rocket Sports Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app, The Canadians Connection. You can also find every single episode at canadiansconnection.fm here every single Saturday throughout the year to give you great Montreal Canadiens content. 
We are your inside link to the Montreal Canadiens. And that brings us to our Canadians Connection question of the week as we turn it over to our listeners. And we asked, should Kent Hughes be pursuing a point-per-game player during the rebuild? We want to hear from you. 5853 is the Rocket Sports uh, text line. You can text that anytime. And Rick, what's the email if people have a little bit more to say? Uh, Email address is hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. You can also reach out to us on all of our social medias. Uh, Just search at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, throughout the week, we get tons of messages, uh, whether it's tweets, emails, comments, even on our YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to read off a couple from Facebook, and then I'll send it over to you, Rick, to read a couple off of YouTube. And uh, the first one uh, comes from uh, Bill McLean in regards to the Edmonton versus Montreal game. Uh, Bill says, I called it game over. As soon as the careless high stick happened, Matheson, control your stick. So, of course, that in reference to uh, the overtime penalty by uh, Mike Matheson that was a little bit undisciplined, and that uh, power play by Edmonton uh, was followed by an Evan Bouchard goal to win that game. So, uh, Bill McLean uh, certainly not happy about that one. And another one coming from George Lang. And uh, George says, happy to see that Slavkovsky is improving very much. And uh, yeah, we agree too. It's nice to see that Slavkovsky has been uh, in a bit in a bit of a bigger role. He's been on that top line for a while now. He does not look out of place like he used to. So that's certainly nice to see. So if you have comments, uh, you want to make them on Facebook like um, both Bill and George there. Um, we have a number of pages. Rocket Sports is one of our Facebook pages. Uh, the Habs Connection um, is another one. So we're, we're happy to hear your comments from there. Uh, the next two comments are from YouTube. Um, and this one is from Leo Steph 9196. This is about uh, the, um, the, the media availability from Kent Hughes. Um, he says, um, or he or she, Leo Steph says, It looks like Hughes is in a world of his own, in a world where everything goes according to plan. Yes, the situation in the AHL has gotten better in the last couple of weeks, but the results and the development of young players, as we know, are not the same thing. Good point. Um, The the wins and losses aren't necessarily uh, good development. Uh, He goes on to say, he or she goes on to say, other answers are more like there is no answer. Uh, And I don't know what there is what there is more, uh, there no desire to say too much or he simply has nothing to say. So he says um, that, yes, that that there's there's uh, Kent Hughes out there um, making words, putting a word salad together. Um, so it's either that he doesn't have a lot to say um, or he, he just doesn't have a desire to share uh, what the plan is. So thank you for that, Leo Steph, Leo Steph, 9196. The next one comes from SB3275, uh, and this is about uh, the Laval Rocket and their improvement. Um, SB says, two weeks into January and Laval is still winning. Uh, they are 10-3-2 since Arbor Jacki was inserted into the lineup. He seems to have energized them, brought leadership and poise on the blue line, and everybody is playing with a chip on their shoulders. Jakob Dobis has upped his play and is finally playing to his potential, and Kazmir Kaskasku is doing great. Hard to not see them continue their stellar play. They're now fourth in the North and playing like one of the top teams in the AHL. So great comment there from SB3275. 
Yeah, we enjoy hearing from all of our listeners and viewers. So uh, make sure when you reach out to us, uh, just let us know your name and where you're from. That way we know who we're, who we're talking to. And uh, we uh, sometimes will lightly edit these just uh, to make sure everyone can understand uh, some of these messages along the way. And uh, we look forward to hearing from all of our listeners as we go through this next week. And coming up, uh, the Montreal Canadiens do have three games uh, starting today on January the 20th. Montreal visits Boston. Uh, the game after that comes on January the 23rd. Ottawa visits Montreal. I feel like this one's going to be a bit of a bloodbath. Uh, something's going to happen with Gallagher, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> on the 25th of January, the New York Islanders visit Montreal, and that's where you'll want to head over to YouTube to watch our live stream. Myself and Nathan, at all Habs, hit subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when all of our content comes out. And with that, I think that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. You can share it on social media, too, if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, uh, January the 27th, 2023, for another great episode. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports.